I'm Louise Thomas-Mins, skin health therapist, expert, educator, product formulator, entrepreneur and mum. I have been in the business of nurturing people's skin back to health for 15 years. In this podcast, I'm going to bring you some of my 26 years of experience and I allow you to be a fly on the wall in my treatment room. Most of all, I want this podcast to boost my mission, which is to educate you in how to become your own skin health expert and help you to find the tools to do this. I regard myself as somewhat of a nutrition dinosaur, to be honest. I am literally just going to call you Willy Wonka uh, (laughs) moving forward. And I've seen that with a professional athlete, by the way. Really? If I could drop my mic, that is a drop the mic moment. dive into this week's guests, I want to tell you about our sponsors Panasonic Beauty. Their three-pillared approach to personal care focuses on investing in yourself, their superior quality and Japanese excellence. Their range of skincare devices enables you to benefit from nano-ionic, sonic vibration, microcurrent, hot cool and patented microfoam technology. I've been using and recommending their skincare devices for over five years now as a great way to deeply cleanse, hydrate, firm, tone and care for your skin between professional facial treatments. You can find out more about the range by heading to their Instagram profile at Panasonic Beauty UK. Thank you for listening to The Skin Pod, the podcast that brings you a three-dimensional approach to skin health. One of those dimensions is nutrition, and it certainly played an integral part to my acne journey um, as it helped to nurture my skin back to health. And somebody I met along the way, blimey, probably about 10 plus years ago, is Glenn Matten, who is an award-winning author leading nutritional medicine expert and food industry influencer. And I'm delighted to say that uh, he is joining me today so that we can, I can, pick his nutritional brains about what do we need in our diet in terms of helping skin health? What are the things we should um, avoid? So, Glenn, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Um, How are you doing? All good, all good. It's a pleasure to be on board the Skin Pod um, and hopefully sharing a few things. Um, maybe some stuff your listeners will know, but hopefully a whole bunch of stuff that is kind of new knowledge. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I, um, I, I think it is. It must be about 10 odd years ago um, when we sort of first started doing some collaborations on nutrition workshops and and I think we kind of realised that we both had similar approaches in how we like to work with clients because I love 
science and I love evidence-based uh, research. And I know that that's something that, that you're really kind of keen on as well. But when did your obsession with food and nutrition kind of begin? Yeah, so uh, I regard myself as somewhat of a nutrition dinosaur, to be honest, 10 years. Um, I think that's probably at least 10 years, isn't it, Louise, since uh, uh, we, we've sort of collaborated. Um, but I've been in this field for around 20 years now. And I think my interest started before that, before I thought this is a, a career I could do. This is something I could actually have as a vocation. And But it was just a little snowball, really. You know, I'd done an undergraduate degree in a completely unrelated subject. I you know, kind of done my fair share of sort of office-based jobs and, you know, just through my 20s sort of, you know, lacking a little bit of direction, a bit of purpose, really. And I just always had a sort of interest in food, cooking, ingredients, and it was just really something that sort of piqued my interest. Um, I just done a part-time course and I just thought this is actually interesting. Even at that point, I didn't know this could be a job, this could be a career, um, but it just sort of snowballed. I think when you find something that captures your imagination and, you know, just gives you that sense of purpose, you know, I could do something that helps people that's endlessly interesting. And it was just a little snowball that grew and grew. And, you know, I, I'd done my first qualification in nutrition. This was back in my sort of mid to late 20s eventually went on to do a master's degree in nutritional medicine, which really was a stepping stone to a much more rigorous, academic, you know, evidence-based approach to this field. And I guess, yeah, that feels like, a, you know, a lifetime ago. <laughs> and But it, it was just, a, I think, just a snowball, really. And I just feel sort of privileged to work in a field that is genuinely interesting genuinely pushes my mind and my thinking and my curiosity to the full and and just to have a career which a helps people b contributes to a sort of healthier world but c actually just keeps me really interested and keeps my mind active yeah. because nutrition is a fast-moving field you know it doesn't stand still gotcha. you know even this field we'll talk about you know it links so heavily into this concept of aging generally and, and how we can use nutrition to modify that um so yeah so it's a little snowball that's grown into this much bigger snowball over the last 20 years yeah and am i right in saying that for you now kind of with your work it it goes so much further than, you know, the traditional kind of platform that sometimes we tend to think of with, you know, any kind of therapist, if you like. So with a nutritional therapist, you know, that you sit and you talk to them about their diet and you maybe prescribe some supplements. But there's so much more now, isn't there? I think at, at your kind of disposal in terms of the testing that's available and you you kind of you do a lot more of that kind of work now don't you as opposed to you know here's a plan here's a diet plan this is what you need to follow but you can actually get so much more evidence from people that this is working or this isn't working for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Louise. I mean, I think there's really two elements to understand how I sort of work with nutrition and, and nutritional medicine. One is that you have to have a solid understanding of the evidence base for things. And even today, there are myths perpetuated, you know, whether that's around antioxidants, and we can certainly have that conversation. I'd love to have that conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, certain myths that are perpetuated that really should be dispelled. 
and really how we apply nutrition to individuals really has to be grounded in a good understanding of the evidence and the evidence base. But that will only take you so far when you're working with individuals. That's great for sort of general recommendations or, you know, broad thinking about how much vitamin D we should have or how many times we should eat oily fish, should we take a fish oil supplement, we can come up with some really nice general guidelines or recommendations based on good science, good evidence. But how we really work with individuals is is, is a whole different ball game because everyone's different, you know, and it's a cliche, but yeah. it, it really is fundamentally true that what's right for one person with nutrition won't necessarily be right for another person. And, and whilst I do less work on an individual basis, with people now. Um, I'm involved in some other projects, which I'm sure we'll cover at uh, some point today. But when I'm working with individuals, it's through in-depth laboratory testing that I can really begin to tailor nutritional programs to individuals. So that's testing all the things we're talking about. What is their vitamin D level? You know, what is their omega-3 level? What is their level of background inflammation? You know, what's happening with hormones? You know, all of these things that are really unique to individuals that influence ultimately whether a recommendation will work or not. It's about understanding that context of an individual and then giving recommendations because look you can give a recommendation with the best will in the world but it might be absolutely the wrong thing for a given individual and I've seen that many times actually when people have mistakenly taken supplements thinking it's this is the best thing I can do and they're actually causing knock-on effects imbalances through this good intention of taking an iron supplement, for example, but not realizing they're predisposed to accumulating too much iron in the body. And I've seen that with a professional athlete, by the way. Really? You know, somebody at a very high level within elite sport, you know, taking a supplement containing iron, but predisposed to accumulating a lot of iron. And that's really damaging to health. People don't necessarily realize that too much of some of these nutrients is as bad as not getting enough. And that's certainly true of iron, which when it accumulates in excess, causes a lot of inflammation, oxidative stress, and can ultimately cause a lot of damage to organs like the liver, the pancreas. And, you know, and and this had been going on for 10 years before I worked with this particular individual of just taking a daily multivitamin with iron in, along with a vitamin C supplement. Oh my goodness. So Something you could like, you could just go and buy over the counter, not, you know, not a prescribed iron. Totally. Wow. This was just a long term, slow toxicity of iron. The vitamin C supplement is relevant because that increases the absorption of iron. So this was a perfect storm for that individual over a period of years to accumulate quite a large excess of iron stored in the body. That's when it becomes problematic. This storage, excessive storage of iron in a form called ferritin, which accumulates in certain organs causing a whole bunch of damage so that was a really simple thing that anyone could be doing taking a multivitamin and a vitamin c supplement at breakfast not realizing that over a long period of time that contained nutrients that were actually detrimental to that person's health and and you know i'm no fan of multivitamins anyway because i don't like this scattergun approach of just take everything hoping that some of it does you some good there's a good example of how that doesn't work. And you'll even see people like vitamin D is another classic example where there's this huge enthusiasm for supplementing vitamin D, which is a really good idea because actually if you live in the UK in the winter months, most of our vitamin D comes via the action of sunlight on the skin. And I'm sure you're pivotal in advising people also to wear SPF, you know, to protect their skin from aging. Yeah. 
really good advice, you know. We've, um, we've had this debate so many times, have we, Glenn, <laughs> over the years? And it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's good advice you're giving because actually exposure to UVA, especially over a, you know, a lifetime will have a very detrimental or accelerating effect on, on skin aging. So, you know, not to mention over exposure to the sun and, and risk of skin cancer but the knock-on is if we're not very careful you know people will have very low levels of vitamin d which we do see routinely either deficiency or suboptimal you know vitamin d status which requires rectifying but what do some people do you know here's some crazy advice take way 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 more than they need and then end up the other end of the spectrum which is with excessive levels of vitamin D and like anything biology is about balance and we neither want too little nor too much of any of these things but you know how do you know how much vitamin D to take you don't without testing yeah I mean I now first of all we're gonna have to have you back because because I have so many questions from what you've just said there um a lot of them are actually relevant to me so we maybe don't want to do that (laughs) during the podcast (laughs) but the whole iron thing you've just discussed resonates with me personally uh massively so so I will have to email you about that um and that's amazing and let's pick up then on some of those myths because I struggle with that in my industry you know these marketing terms that are banded about some of my bugbears are non-toxic skincare. What? Well, it shouldn't be on the shelf if it's got toxins in because it's gone through toxicology testing. Um, green beauty. What on earth does that mean? Uh, so I know that there are lots of those terms in your industry as well. And I'm going to swear at you because I remember a few years ago, we talked about one which was superfoods. So are there any particular myths that we should really be going Uh, don't listen to that you know there's some good evidence why you shouldn't listen to that and it is total marketing hype yeah perhaps the biggest one which we've already touched on um, which I think is huge in relation to any debate about nutrition and skin health is this idea that we should all be taking a lot of antioxidants to slow down the aging process and to inhibit the aging of the skin yeah So there's a huge industry built around antioxidant supplements and taking supplements of things like vitamin C, vitamin E. And but also the biggest myth is actually thinking that the reason green tea or red wine or colorful fruits and vegetables are good for us is because they're a rich source of antioxidants. So I sort of alluded to the fact there might be some new knowledge. I hope this will be the new knowledge that I'm about to share. It's been my, I guess, my sort of passion, my field of interest for, you know, the last 10 years really is the role of plant nutrients in human health. We call these plant nutrients phytonutrients, phyto being Greek for plant. So my big interest really ever since I've known you, Louise, is is the role of these phytonutrients, these plant nutrients in human health. And I think one of the really sort of fascinating things, if we're to understand this field, is to have a look at those nutrients in food, in plant foods, ask why are they there? What function do they play in protecting plants? Why do plants produce these thousands of compounds? And what happens when we ingest them? And I think if we can understand that or begin to understand that, I'm not saying I'm, you know, I have every answer going, but if we can begin to unpick that, 
we'll have at our disposal a whole range of phytonutrients that can have a big impact on skin health. But they're nothing to do with antioxidants. Um, and this is, for me, this is the interesting part of it. It's very simplistic thinking to think they're to do with antioxidants. But you'll find a lot of these ingredients now appearing in cosmetic products, you know, skincare products, whether yes. it's green tea extract, whether it's, um, I don't know, um, you can tell me some of the other ones. Well, I mean, there was a, a phase a while ago, literally chocolate. Okay, yeah. Chocolate yeah. was in face masks. And I understood, because I've been talking to you, why they might jump on that bandwagon. But the reality is you know, that substance applied to the skin topically, probably not going to do a great deal for actually, you know, reversal of, of the aging process. So, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, green tea, absolutely. Um, there is a lot of talk at the moment from the skin care industry about use of mushrooms. Okay. And also plants that are very hardy, that, you know, have this built in exactly what you were just saying this built in protection from the elements so the thought process is well actually if we can you know get that into a skincare product then it's going to have a similar effect on protecting cells as well but can we talk about chocolate though please because <laughs> we can we can we can um in terms of how how does that convert then from what you were just saying about those um yeah yeah plant-based uh let me just build the bridge to chocolate a little bit more. Go on. With this Good. concept yes, please do. of phytonutrients, then we can talk about chocolate uh, specifically. So we see these thousands of compounds called phytonutrients in the, the plant foods that we eat. And look, we know... We've known for a long time that diets rich in fruits and vegetables are, are good for health. They're actually linked with, associated with good skin health as well. No surprise, really. But the question is why? So when we look at plants, they contain pigments, colourful compounds. So think about turmeric contains curcumin, which is the yellow compound, that sort of bright, vivid yellow compound. Tomatoes contain lycopene, which is the red pigment that gives tomatoes, watermelon, this red colour. But they're also responsible for the sort of taste or bitterness of things. So the compounds in, you know, dark chocolate are bitter compounds. So the, the sort of the taste, the colour, the aroma of the plant foods we eat are because of the presence of these compounds, these phytonutrients in plants. But why do plants produce them? And it's the answer to that that begins to help us unravel why they're good for us. So plants will produce these compounds to protect themselves and to adapt to their environment. Uh -huh. So plants are very interesting because they're stationary. And this is a key to understanding why these plant compounds are so powerful. Plants are stationary, which means if a predator comes along and nibbles on them, if it's really sunny, if there's a drought, you know, if, if there's adverse conditions, they can't just go somewhere else. We can. We can go and seek shelter. We can run away. We can fight. We can go and seek water. Plants can't do that. They're stationary. So over billions of years of evolution, they've adapted very sophisticated responses to survive and cope with the environmental stresses and these are the phytonutrients we're talking about so a lot of these pigments in plants you know think of you know vivid oranges yellows reds the lycopene in tomatoes part of what they're doing is protecting against the sun the stress of okay. uv radiation and it's no coincidence then that when we consume diets rich in 
these carotenoids, these colourful compounds, they have really good benefits for skin health. They accumulate in our skin. And guess what one of the things they do is if we eat lots of orange, you know, carrots, sweet potatoes, squashes, lycopene from tomatoes. You can tell me, Louise, a quiz for you. What do you think they offer us? Well, the answer is they give us some UV protection, inbuilt UV. Yeah, UV protection. And you've just reminded me, lycopene is absolutely one of those ingredients that a lot of companies are putting in their sunscreen. So it used to be that you would get a sunscreen and they would go with added antioxidants. And I think now that language is starting to change a bit. So yes, you reminded me there, lycopene absolutely is one that, yeah, will help with our own defences against UV. Amazing. Yeah, so I think, yeah, so if we look at the colourful compounds, they're very much like a shield that gives us some inbuilt photo protection. Um, so I'm not saying you wouldn't use an SPF. I'm not, you know, we need to be sensible, but we've maybe lost that from our modern diet, some of that inbuilt protection that's offered by these plant nutrients. But also these carotenoids undoubtedly play a part in skin aging as well and preserving skin health as we age, you know, reducing the degradation of things like collagen, you know, reducing MMPs, these matrix metalloproteinases that degrade collagen, you know, so these carotenoids play a nice role in sort of anti-aging effects within the skin. But they're sort of replicating within us one of the things they do for plants, which is a degree of photoprotection. There's a fascinating one, actually, which I should mention, which I'm sure is in some of these skin products, which is astaxanthin. Um, I don't know if you've heard of astaxanthin. Yes. It's a marine-based yeah. uh, marine based carotenoid. So it's not in, we don't derive it from plants. Um, it does actually come from an algae, but it concentrates up the food chain in things like wild salmon. The reason wild salmon is this vivid pink colour, that's the astaxanthin. And that's thought to have some really nice effects um, within the skin. You know, another carotenoid, another colourful pigment that accumulates in the skin and inhibits these MMPs, activates very protective pathways within our cells, activates something called the NRF2 pathway, which switches on a whole bunch of genes involved in our antioxidant defenses, controlling inflammation, detoxification. So it's switching on these very powerful cellular defense pathways. And this is the point. So as I said, that plants produce these compounds in order to adapt and survive in their environment. So they're crucial for plant survival. Now, when we ingest them, what are they doing? You know, they're crucial to plants and their adaptation to environmental stress. When we consume them, there's been a, a myth, a pervading myth that they act as antioxidants. And if you look at them in vitro, so you do like something in a Petri dish, in a laboratory, they will act as antioxidants. But when we ingest them, they're not having, so this is in vivo inside a living organism when we ingest them they're not having that same effect what they're doing is quite the opposite they're acting like weak toxins aha uh-huh. okay they're signaling molecules that signal environmental stresses that these plants have encountered so that think about these compounds as signaling molecules that are almost like weak stresses on our cells and what happens when we exercise what happens when we fast these are stresses on the body and the body adapts to those stresses by upregulating its defenses the cells become 
more efficient, they function better, they increase the levels of protective enzymes they produce, so the cells become healthier. So no different to exercise, no different to fasting, these plant compounds trigger stress responses in our cells that are favorable. So we adapt to the stress of these plant compounds. They signal to ourselves, come on, you know, increase your protective enzymes, increase your antioxidant enzymes, gear up to combat inflammation, upregulate detoxification enzymes. So these plant compounds are not acting as, they're not doing us a favor in the way we think they are by acting as antioxidants. They're not just mopping up all these free radicals and, you know, reactive oxygen species. They're triggering the inbuilt defenses within our cells, these fundamental, powerful inbuilt defenses that keep our cells healthy, that reduce oxidative stress, that reduce inflammation, ultimately then that help us age in a healthy way. So by ingesting these compounds that plants have to produce to survive and adapt to the stresses of their environment, actually trigger favorable responses within our cells that actually make us more resilient to stresses and our cells healthier. So there's a myth we can get rid of when you're buying green tea or you read that red wine or you know, sorry, my cuckoo clock is going here in the background. Um, I so. love that. I was just about to say, I can hear a cuckoo clock. Is it, the cuckoo fine. stopped working, doesn't come out anymore, but uh, he's, oh. he's in there, just hidden away in there. <laughs> Brilliant. He's equally amazed by this information. <laughs> <laughs> when we're ingesting these compounds, they're acting as signaling compounds that trigger protective responses within ourselves. And when you hear, you know, take more antioxidants, this is rich in antioxidants, it's not through that mechanism that these compounds are working. Wow. So it's a big myth. It's a big rethinking of how we understand nutrition. And it's a big new chapter in, in nutrition. And this really applies to skin health. So when we look at some of these compounds, I've mentioned the pigments, astaxanthin, lycopene, and we really should say with lycopene, the evidence shows that when we ingest it, it's more powerful. The effects are better when it's consumed as part of the whole matrix of tomato. Yeah. So when we try and isolate these things out, they never work as well as when we consume them as part of a whole food matrix. And that's certainly true of tomatoes. But if you want to boost your lycopene intake, don't just eat more tomatoes. You have to cook them. The more they're cooked and processed, the more the cell wall breaks down and the more lycopene we absorb. So big tomato salads, delicious, but they won't have a big impact on your lycopene intake because it's not absorbed. It's only when we cook. I love that. So making a nice tomato sauce, you know, cooking tomatoes into a sauce you know, passata, tomato puree, tomato ketchup, dare I say it, these are the best sources of lycopene (laughs) for skin health, for overall health. It's completely the opposite to what we would normally think of when it comes, you know, don't overcook your vegetables because you just cook all of those nutrients out. But tomatoes, they're the exception to that rule. And And as you say, apart from the fact that, yeah, tomato ketchup, unfortunately laced with sugar, but actually if you make your own, then you're getting these amazing benefits through that cooking process that's fantastic yeah well there's another myth you've dispelled that you have to um you have to eat everything raw it's simply not true some things are better eaten raw or lightly cooked so you will lose some of the things that are important for skin health like vitamin c and some of the b vitamins if you overcook foods so some like your green leafy vegetables eat those raw or lightly steamed but a lot of these carotenoids that we find in carrots or sweet potato not i don't think anyone's eating sweet potato raw but carrots um (laughs) tomatoes cooking them actually 
increases the bioavailability of of these good compounds. So it's a myth that we cooking's bad. It's not. It depends on the food you're talking about. Adding some oil to like olive oil to a tomato sauce or any of these colorful plant foods increases the absorption of the carotenoids as well because beta carotene lycopene these are fat soluble nutrients if we add some fat to it we absorb them much more so you know tomato based sauce the back to the mediterranean diet tomato based sauce a nice drizzle of extra virgin olive oil that's really skin friendly kind of way of, of doing it I still haven't mentioned chocolate. I, sorry, I still haven't answered your chocolate question. No, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. No, it's fine. I'm just getting carried away. Um, what about resveratrol? Have I said that right? That's another... Yeah, resveratrol. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, fa- a fascinating compound that we find in red wine, which is derived from, you know, the skin of red grapes. I think it's a really interesting... So, that's been really famous for activating a pathway within our cells a family of proteins called sirtuins. So you'll be familiar with my work. I've written a book related to compounds that switch on these sirtuin proteins uh, called the cert food diet. These are a family of proteins that regulate a whole bunch of stuff in our cells, regulate our metabolism, things like fat burning, uh, keep our cells super healthy, linked with longevity and healthy aging and resveratrol was the sort of the grandfather of these compounds you know the first compounds discovered that activates this sirtuin family of proteins that have many benefits for our cellular health but here's the question is it right and this is the whole kind of paradigm is it right to take that as an isolated compound for almost like pharmacological doses and this is where i'd say look it's a fascinating compound but my belief is and and my understanding of this field is that actually even if you look at red wine there are multiple compounds in there that are acting on these pathways and my view is that nutrients that we ingest should be part of the food matrix that they come from so rather than isolate rather than taking this pharmacological view and isolating out nutrients giving them in mega doses i think it's much better to construct diets which contain a complex of these nutrients at good levels. You know, a glass of red wine isn't by itself going to make much difference to your health. But if you're combining that with a whole range of other foods rich in these polyphenol compounds, these plant nutrients, whether it's from dark chocolate, extra virgin olive oil, walnuts, turmeric, you know, green tea, coffee, we could go on with these foods and you're constructing diets, which then become very similar to a traditional Mediterranean diet or very healthy traditional Asian diets, which are linked with chronic disease prevention and healthy aging and longevity. And my view is that it's better to consume these foods as part of their matrix with all the other thousands of compounds they contain rather than isolating out specific single isolated plant compounds and expecting them to work in the same way as these diets do. And I don't believe that is the answer. And I think there is always that temptation, isn't there, to go, oh, brilliant. He's just literally, you know, our listeners might be sitting there making notes and thinking, perfect. I'm going to go and buy myself a resveratrol supplement, start popping that. Perfect. That That's it. That's the end. Um, but it is having this synergistic approach, isn't it, to nutrition and 
you know, I mean, God, if that was if it was that easy, then yeah, we're I'm sure lots of people would be billionaires. Um, but but to take that sort of synergistic approach, which again you kind of have to do with your skincare topically as well. Thankfully, we are starting to come away from this thought process of isolating specific ingredients. But yeah, the the Mediterranean diet certainly seems one that that offers up a lot of those those varieties. I think it's much safer as well. I think when we sort of look for answers to these problems of aging and healthy aging, I think we have to learn lessons from traditional cultures that have been most successful, have lived the healthiest, longest lives with the least rates of chronic disease. That's where we learn our lessons from. And, you know, they're not supplementing with mega doses of isolated nutrients. They're eating complex diets which contain a multitude of these compounds. And for me, that is safe, sensible, you know, and enjoyable. You know, people love to take a pill. Um, I know that's easy and I'm not against that. I think if we, we can construct pills that are very clever. I've been involved in designing one that's coming out. <laughs> I'm working on one, he says. <laughs> uh, we've got one, you know, it's coming, which is, but it's even when we're putting in these plant nutrients. So for example, one of the ingredients that's going into that is a red wine extract, which captures the entire spectrum of polyphenols from a glass of red wine. And the whole what? spectrum is in there. It's not the resveratrol. It's the entire spectrum. So you get the full range of polyphenols as if you'd had a glass of wine without the alcohol. Now, I enjoy drinking a glass of red wine. So, you know, I'm not so excited as some people might be about that. I just have a glass. We enjoy the alcohol side. <laughs> but actually, it, the concept there, but that's not the only ingredient we're using. It's part of a spectrum of these plant nutrients within their sort of matrix. Even with turmeric, you know, we've got a curcumin, the family of curcuminoids in there, but also enriched with turmeric essential oils. Start to get that synergy, start to replicate the food matrix. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't eat enough turmeric yeah I just don't I, I wish I did but I never remember I, I'm lazy yeah. you know I'm like everybody else so I, I think there is a role for capsules or supplements or it's difficult though isn't it with that one particularly because you don't want to be sprinkling a dessert spoonful of that literally into everything that you're eating so I take that as a supplement because of the you know the benefits but I as you know kind of sit on that fence of I understand why there are some very good cases for taking supplements but at the same time there is also this understanding of oh I am isolating things here but yeah I think turmeric is definitely one where you you need it in that sort of capsule formula don't you yeah well I mean there are some I know there's one company in particular does fantastic turmeric shots so that's like a fresh root turmeric shot so you know these there are ways to kind of do it you maybe do that yourself if you've got time and don't mind staining your fingers yellow permanently you could do that yourself so there are ways you can do it and there are products available and if you are taking a curcumin or a turmeric supplement my advice would be to look for one that actually attempts to capture more of the spectrum of what's actually in turmeric which isn't just an isolated curcumin okay there are three main curcuminoids as i said the product i've been involved in also contains the essential oils of turmeric which have been shown to increase the bioavailability and absorption and performance of uh, a curcumin or turmeric supplement so there are ways to try and get closer to nature and i think it's just respecting nature knows best you know um 
we still think somehow we can come up with answers that, you know, resveratrol is a good example. We're sort of somehow more knowledgeable than nature. You know, we can kind of cheat aging by overcoming nature. And I don't think it's as simple as that. And normally, the more we isolate, concentrate, increase the dose, you know, it's much more of a pharmaceutical understanding of nutrition. I think that's always risky territory. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, I do just want to talk a little bit about this whole sort of nutri-cosmetic um, industry that's starting to build, which again, I know when we very first met all those years ago, it was almost like you had a bit of a crystal ball and you were saying to me, you know, this is happening. There's going to be products on the market that you can eat, you know, like food items that are going to bring you amazing benefits to skin health. And I know that you've obviously then gone on to develop one of those, which is is really exciting. I'm going to put some details in the, the show notes on that as well. But tell us a little bit about that. And then tell us if there was sort of a particular kind of skin health recipe. So something you could eat for lunch or a breakfast that you could put together and go, oh, do you know what? I know this is going to give me some great benefits to my skin health if I'm eating this regularly. Yeah, great question. So Nutri-Cosmetics is just this concept that we can ingest nutrients from ideally from food. I'll be honest, I think it's a food first approach. We can ingest nutrients which support the function and structure of the skin. So maybe the same goal as you would have with applying products to the skin. It's the same goal, really, but doing it from within. So the inside out rather than the outside in. So it's working in the opposite direction but with the same end goal 10 years ago i thought like you know why is nobody talking about this when there was clearly evidence that you know some of these nutrients within foods plant foods especially do have this sort of impact on skin function skin structure markers of aging you know hydration all of these things and i sort of think that debate has just moved on a bit but not really because I think it's just become who can make some money out of commercializing a product and you know and we see that they're extravagantly expensive you know collagen supplements and various supplements aimed at skin health which you know it's because it's to do with like beauty and aging and skin that they cost I mean why do they cost so much it's absolutely you know I'd love to know the profit margin on those products because my guess is it's absolutely outrageous you know but that sells people think I want you know youthful skin I will pay 50 quid for a you know or 70 quid or whatever it is for a 30-day supply of something with a bit of evidence to support it um you know maybe some marginal benefits for skin health so I guess it's a great profit-making thing to sell this idea of beauty from within a pill you take that gives you younger skin and you know but my view my view remains that actually these compounds are most valuable when consumed through the diet and we all have access to them so that's the really exciting part you don't have to spend you know like a ridiculous amount of money on a supplement with sketchy evidence in support of it if any you can actually eat these foods every day you know almost like if you're really passionate about your skin you would almost say look this is an integral part of my skincare routine I will eat these foods every day and just as we were talking I've just kind of sketched out 
what would be like the daily skincare routine from a Nutri Cosmetic oh, perspective. Um, so I might miss some things out here, but I'm going to just kind of go through that. Um, and then we can touch on the chocolate as part of that, because the good news is there's some quite nice things on this little list I've cobbled together here. So the first thing I would say is, look, it's about getting those colourful pigments in. So it's making sure there's good sources of carotenoid. So the beta carotene will be abundant in the sort of deep orange fruits and vegetables. So squash, sweet potato, carrot. So it's making sure you're getting those oranges, uh, those sort of deep orange, yellow pigments, but also in dark green leafy vegetables, they're also a really good source of these carotenoids. So it's getting that colour in there. So I would say that having a serving of carrots or sweet potato, having a serving of kale or cavaliero nero or some really dark green leafy vegetable to get those carotenoids. Yeah. So wild salmon is the best dietary source of astaxanthin. So that's the pink deep pink pigment that really does have some nice benefits for skin health. So getting that on the menu two or three times a week, I know it's a little bit expensive, but that's, you know, I'd rather be spending it on food, real food than sort of questionable supplements. So having wild salmon like a couple of times a week, there's about three milligrams in a serving of wild salmon, which may be not quite enough to get the benefits that have been shown in research, but still a nice amount. You know, this is a nice dietary amount. And astaxanthin is one of the nutrients also we've put in this little complex of nutrients I was talking about because it's quite hard to get enough through diet alone. So astaxanthin, so wild salmon, or it's also in, you know, prawns, you know, any any of those pink trout would be another example. Okay. Lobster, I mean, I, yeah, you know, not, not really on our menu too often. One of my lobster, but, you know, uh, <laughs> um, not a staple daily in our house for sure. But Oh, it is in so mine. wild salmon would be a really, really good choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for my <laughs> dinner invite then, to be honest. Um, so what would you have that with? So, you know, if we were to kind of construct a meal culinary wise maybe it would work maybe not but maybe you'd have some sweet potato you know you'd have your your wild salmon you'd have your steamed dark green leafy vegetables you'd have a homemade tomato sauce with that which is the lycopene you'd be drizzling some extra virgin olive oil on that would be you know multiple nutrients for nourishing skin health from the inside that's brilliant and you don't have to be a chef do you either I mean that's fairly straightforward cooking you know it's not yeah not going to be difficult totally totally that i mean there are other really simple things you could do every day that would make a difference as well so when we talked about some of these polyphenols some of the most powerful ones for skin health are the compounds found in green tea so having a few cups of green tea a day yeah will be a really good way to boost the intake of green tea polyphenols which have shown benefits for skin health now the studies that have shown that have used relatively high doses of the active polyphenols. So that's something called EGCG, epigallocatechin gallate, which is the sort of most active green tea compound, quite high levels. And you probably don't want to replicate those. But like your point was the synergy. It's about getting a decent dose of all of these things in rather than trying to mega dose one to get the effect. So, you know, three or four cups of green tea will give a good level of these green tea polyphenols and then you could be having and you should be having some dark chocolate as part of this skin friendly daily regime why why am i saying this and also let's dispel another myth as we do this so dark chocolate or cocoa is rich in specific polyphenols called flavanols and they have some excellent benefits for cardiovascular health the health of our arteries that's what they're most studied for but there's also evidence that they have benefits for 
skin health. And one of the things they do is they improve blood flow. So they're improving cutaneous and subcutaneous blood flow. They're getting more nutrients, more oxygen to the skin. They're helping toxins and, you know, things to be removed. Studies have shown that, you know, three months, 12 weeks of ingestion of a high flavanol cocoa drink improves photoprotection. Some of the markers of skin health improved skin density. There's less sort of roughness. There's improved hydration from these cocoa compounds. So dark chocolate is very much on the list of daily foods as part of that skincare routine. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that nobody has really been told, which is that these flavanols are bitter. They're responsible for the bitterness in cocoa powder, dark chocolate. So what happens when the food industry make dark chocolate bars? You know, I won't mention any brands, but, you know, some of the big brands, um, I did question one big brand and they never answered, which basically tells me that they don't care about this issue. We know that commercial processing of cocoa into dark chocolate leads to the decimation of flavanols. They get destroyed through aggressive heat treatments alkalization of the chocolate so commercial to basically the chocolate's alkalized to get the bitterness out well say goodbye to the flavanols at that point and we end up getting some flavanols when we have our green and blacks or lint or whatever but we're not necessarily getting the level of compounds we need for the health of our arteries you know for the health of our skin brain health all these great benefits from cocoa flavanols are lost or much reduced let's say And yet people think eating my dark chocolate, this is good for me. Well, it is, but it's not as good as it could be. So, and the research shows you need relatively high doses compared to what's in commercial dark chocolate for these benefits I'm describing. So really we need to look at sourcing cocoa powder or dark chocolate that's high in flavanols. And there are ways to do that. So I was involved, as you know, Louise, with developing a chocolate that was produced from cocoa beans that have a higher flavanol content to start with. Yeah. So it would depend on what cultivar of cocoa bean, what variety as to how many flavanols they have. Remember, these compounds are produced as stress response compounds. So depending on the environmental conditions where cocoa beans are grown, that will dictate the flavanol content of the cocoa beans. So by selecting cocoa beans with a higher flavanol content, by not destroying them in the processing into chocolate so being very careful with the method of processing it's possible to create really tasty dark chocolate with a high flavanol content you know i think you'll put it in your show notes a product that i was involved in which has actually got depends on what numbers you use but three to five times more flavanols than a standard dark chocolate that you would buy in the supermarket and It truly does taste amazing as well. It is a very nice story and and really impressive that because you've been talking about obviously the benefits of those foods having a bitter taste and why those uh, other companies will try and get rid of that. But your chocolate, it's so smooth. You don't have that bitterness to it, but you've got all of these amazing benefits. And exactly what you've said about thinking of that as part of your daily routine. So even if you do eat that little bar of chocolate that is beautifully wrapped that you produce and you think, oh, you know, I don't love this. It's not my favourite source of chocolate. Think of that as being just the best way of taking a supplementation of all of these amazing plant flavanols. Um, Much better than just mindfully popping a supplement. 
So yes, I will absolutely um, make sure that everybody knows about the Cert Food chocolate because it is truly amazing and just so delighted to kind of see that journey of, you know, those conversations we had all those years ago and now this amazing product is out there as well. And chocolate, pardon the pun, but did get a bit of a bad rap because it was always, you know, spoken of chocolate gives you spots oh you've got acne don't eat chocolate well yeah obviously if you're eating you know confectionery well actually it's sugar in the inflammation in your body that's assisting with that process aside from whatever else is going on but yeah this is the chocolate that actually I would recommend people with acne to eat because it's going to help with that healing process as well as all of those amazing anti-aging benefits as well So you've alluded uh, to you working on something else apart from this amazing chocolate. I am literally just going to call you Willy Wonka uh, (laughs) moving forward. Um, So just uh, before we finish, tell us a little bit about then what you're working on next. Appreciate that, you know, don't give it all away because like I say, I think we've got so much more we could talk about. So I'd love to get you back on at some point. But yeah, what's the next kind of steps for you in terms of product wise? Yeah, so we're launching a new brand, in fact. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. I won't say too much too soon, but we're launching a new brand, um, which is kind of soft launch in the next few weeks, but properly launching in January. And it'll be a kind of mainly US-centric brand, but the products will be available, you know, in the UK and, and elsewhere. But it's really looking at that idea of next generation products you know because actually despite everything i've said like i'd love people to eat all the foods i've just mentioned and more there's lots of foods i haven't mentioned which are amazing as well but the reality is people struggle to eat these perfect diets you know yeah and a lot of people do a reasonable job but still kind of missing that element so a good example is the cert food diet the book i wrote there was a a cert food green juice which people loved but found it really hard to kind of keep juicing and making this on a regular basis so the new brand launches with two products one is the capsule i mentioned with the things like the full spectrum red wine polyphenol extract in the the sort of more full spectrum turmeric in there some other nice ingredients as well so it's like a daily well-being capsule for cellular health really sort of starting to harness the benefits of these nutrients on top of what we hope is a reasonably good diet but sort of taking that a little bit to the next level the other product is a like a green juice powder. Oh, I love that. Um, so it's basically, it's not the same as the cert food green juice because we wanted to go beyond that and say, actually, well, if we've got an opportunity to produce a powder that people turn into a green drink, like a green juice replacement, we can actually add some really cool stuff in there as well. So that's got a lot of the good greens in there. It's got matcha, green tea. So getting these green tea compounds, it's got some freeze-dried kale powder, you know, just to boost up the greens. It's got something called moringa powder in. Moringa is a fascinating kind of green leafy plant which contains compounds. This is maybe for another conversation, which activates one of these very powerful cellular protection pathways the nrf2 pathway which i mentioned earlier which switches on hundreds of protective genes and responses within our cells so it's got this really good dose of greens but we're really interested in anthocyanins which are the purple pigments from berries dark berries so we've got a really good dose of a sort of blackcurrant extract in there and so there's a whole bunch of stuff going in there there's a whole bunch of other things in there but it's this idea that actually rather than have to 
I'd love people to kind of make green juices and, you know, get all these good compounds in. But actually, a lot of people can't manage that. And it's a way to get through a drink, a food based powdered drink, a whole range of these compounds into their diet. So we kind of launched with that, you know, and it's all under this umbrella of the role of these plant nutrients, the role of these phytonutrients in human health, and how can we really harness those and use those as an addition to people's daily diets without making life too difficult in having to eat loads of these foods. So that's, you know, that's really exciting. It's getting away from this really tired idea that you take your multivitamin, you take, you know, it's going beyond this micronutrient approach to nutrition. It's saying there's much more to nutrition than, you know, just taking your A to Z of, you know, multinutrients. Yeah. It's leaving that paradigm behind and saying actually the true key to health is harnessing nature's natural pharmacy of these compounds and trying to deliver them in a way that's still true to the matrix of the food that they come from. And also just so it's available, it's, you know, it's easy, isn't it? It's, it's an easy way for people to get that into their diet without really having to think about, oh, I've got to get my juicer out. And then, oh my God, there's the cleaning of the juicer. Yeah, it is just tricky to kind of have that perfect diet, unfortunately, with sort of, yeah, modern life. So I, I'm i so excited to hear that. That's, um yeah, fantastic news for the new year and definitely something I'm going to be uh, purchasing and talking to you more about for sure. I need to ask you my last question, which I ask all of my guests. Um, it's not a trick question. So, you know, if there is nothing, then don't worry. Um, but I'm interested to know, were there any skincare rituals or anybody in your household that influenced you when growing up was there anything going on that you were like wow that's really weird why are they putting that on their face or anything that you used to follow or things you do now that was influenced by that goodness um yeah, so uh, <laughs> no <laughs> this will just this will just illustrate uh, a typical male growing up in the 1970s and 1980s i have no idea about anything related to my skin i have no recollection of anything related to that um until probably when i you know had first girlfriends and started to steal their moisturizer that my first awakening <laughs> about brilliant. actually doing anything related to the skin you know I couldn't tell you a single thing about my skin or what I'd done to it for probably you know 18 years so I'm going to sort of give you a blank on that one but no that isn't a blank that's all relevant and that's interesting that for you that was just not something and you're not going to be alone on that either like you say growing up in the 70s and 80s it just wasn't thought of there weren't specific men's products around back then either. So, and let me tell you all listeners that Glenn has got the most amazing skin. So, you know, literally proof is in the pudding. There's another really bad pun. Um, (laughs) In the fact that because his diet is so amazing, you know, it really does radiate from within. So um, no, that's that's not a pass. That was very relevant. I should mention I'm also a reformed character and uh, I've not always been good with using SPF. You know, that's something that I'm really now, I mean, it's taken a good few decades to get into that habit, but I think you're absolutely right. Things have changed and I think it shouldn't be, yeah. it shouldn't feel as though it's this kind of, um, there's sort of any sort of gender bias around this stuff. Because actually, you know, I think men are, you know, it's really relevant conversation. I think, you know, it should never feel as though, 
you know, men aren't part of that conversation. And I'm certainly a reformed character. I'm not always diligent with my routine, but I will try and always use that SPF now. You know, and I don't know a lot about the external stuff. And I tell you, I've recently purchased a moisturizer with quite a high retinol level. So uh, nice. whether that's a good idea or not, you can you can tell me. But but there's some interesting things. And, you know, for example, one of the things when I was looking at, you know, originally researching this field, um, I found out about vitamin C. Yeah was that actually if your vitamin C status in the body is optimal, so this is through eating you know, your diet rich in, in fruits and vegetables, there is actually no absorption of vitamin C oh my goodness. from topical application. So it's almost like once the tissues are saturated through diet, because it, you know what we eat does end up in our tissues, yes. once you've reached that optimal level of intake that the human body was designed to eat, your tissue levels will be... I guess, saturated or fulfilled with their requirements. And then you don't absorb any through your skin. So that I thought that was really interesting, actually, from a, a skin. So that vitamin wow. C topically might be amazing for someone with a poor diet, who's not, and I, I would imagine that is a lot of people in fairness who yeah. are nowhere near getting their optimal intake of plant foods and fruits and vegetables. But actually for somebody whose diet's amazing, it may be better that your emphasis is on different, you know, sort of uh, topical products to derive that benefit. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? You know, how the two fields interlink and actually it may be that you don't need to duplicate things that you're able to get really good levels of through your diet you maybe don't need to duplicate that externally so it's interesting isn't it oh my goodness that is like if yes that I mean if I could drop my mic that is a drop the mic moment (laughs) because that has just completely blown my mind but makes complete sense as well because it's water soluble isn't it vitamin c as well so I guess if you're topped up then it's going to be wasted um Glenn, we're going to have to stop there. But I mean, I literally feel like we've still got so many other questions and um, that we could go off onto different tangents. But thank you for not doing that and for (laughs) staying kind of very close to that amazing, fascinating subject of plant nutrients. Just brilliant. Thank you so much. As I've said, we will put some information about the amazing Cert Food Diet, your books, and also the chocolate in the show notes as well. And of course, we'll pop a link on there to your Instagram. So that's the best place for people to come to in the short term if they want to kind of ask you questions about that. Or I guess they could find you at glenmatten.com as well, couldn't they? For Exactly. Um, yeah. If they wanted more of a one-to-one. Totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, your energy and your enthusiasm. It's been just brilliant. Thanks, Glenn. A pleasure. Nice to chat. Don't go anywhere. After a few words about our sponsors, we will be back with a fly on the wall interview. This week's episode is brought to you in conjunction with Panasonic's device with radio frequency and ultrasonic technologies targeting the visible signs of ageing. Warming heat combines with deep hydration to plump the cells and leave skin feeling visibly lifted. The radio frequency technology delivers heat deep into the skin's dermis for visibly smoother skin. Ultrasonic waves increase moisture levels in the outer layers of the skin, which leaves skin feeling instantly lifted. Used together with conductive gel, the radio frequency facial device targets common signs of ageing. Head to their Instagram profile at Panasonic Beauty UK to learn more and purchase this skincare device. 
for you, what do you feel about the aging process? Because obviously, you know, I'm talking to you and you're, you know, you're young still, but I'm just interested to know what's important for you around kind of aging in generally of of skin and of body um, and what Mm. things that you might already be doing to try and slow that process down. Mm. I think for me, I'm approaching 40, a <laughs> couple of years left, but yeah. Um, but the things I've noticed in recent years is particularly around my eyes. I've got a lot more fine lines. Yeah. Uh, and I've also just in the last couple of years noticed that I get uh, sunspots or on my cheeks that I didn't have, I don't know, five, ten years ago. Yeah, and it's a bit, it's that slow pardon the pun Mm -hmm. it's that slow burner in terms of sun damage because those little pigmentation the hyperpigmentation marks that you're seeing now you know Mm. can be from seven to ten years ago so sometimes it's really interesting to sort of look when we're dealing with sun damage particularly to look back and we can understand maybe is it you know a, a sort of an external factor so is it literally the sun that's caused that or has mm. there been some hormonal changes and influences that have happened that make you more sun sensitive, like going on the contraceptive pill or going through perimenopause and menopause or pregnancy? All of those things will make you more sun sensitive. And if you're mm. not protecting and caring for your skin from the sun in those times, then, you know, that can build towards that kind of manifestation of those age spots as well. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's sun damage from probably 15 or 10 years ago when I wasn't as, do you say rigorous? Yeah. (laughs) With my sunscreen, because now it's something I I don't go out without it. I always have some some, uh, SPF 50, Um, nothing less year round. Doesn't matter if it's the summer or the winter, just because that's something that you taught me. sunscreen always use sunscreen exactly well it's just the best insurance policy for skin and it's one of those things that especially if clients are coming to me and they want to talk about slowing down or reversing some of the signs of aging or Mm. I've got pigmentation there is no point in spending loads of money on amazing products and actives and treatments if you're not Mm. using that insurance policy so um there is that fine line around vitamin D production because mm-hmm. vitamin D is vital, mm-hmm. isn't it? And the best synthesis of vitamin D is via UV. But mm. that doesn't mean we have to all go out and burn ourselves regularly in the mm. sun to get that synthesis. You know, you can still, you know, get that, but be sun safe and slow down and, you know, retard that aging process as well. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that's really important. Just going to say as well, just really interesting that you mentioned around the eye, the eyes and the neck are always the first two areas that, you know, people always say to me, oh, you know, I've really noticed the signs of aging on those areas. For Mm. the eyes, the skin is 10 times thinner, and there's no oil secreting glands there. And then for the neck, you know, similar really. Actually, the the skin is quite fine on the neck area. I think I, I can even feel that when when I put my creams and sunscreens on, I can I can feel that the skin around my neck feels more delicate. Yeah. Than the than the, I mean, the skin on my cheeks and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And so are you, I mean, I know obviously a bit about what you're using because some of the stuff we've talked mm-hmm. about and I've prescribed for you for, for sort of related to pigmentation. But for you, what are the actives in, in, in products that you reach for when you're thinking about, yeah, I want to slow down the aging process or, or reverse some of that pigment that's, that's there? I use retinol every evening or almost every evening. I have a bit of, um, I forgot the word. We've talked about this before. Women get it often around their mouth and the nose. Um, perioral dermatitis. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Very uh, common. I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment. Actually, it's it's yeah, interesting that that seems to be flagging up. So I try to, if that flares up, I try to back off a little bit uh, with the retinol. Uh, and uh, during the day, I use vitamin C. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Whitening and brightening. Yeah, and then I have a. Uh, face scrub that I use once a week and uh, I follow up with a uh, moisturizing uh, mask afterwards. And actually that's another really important point you know even clients coming in in their sort of early 30s will say to me oh I've got all of these really fine lines and they're just appearing overnight and and actually often by the end of a facial treatment a lot of that has been eradicated because a lot of those, what I call almost, they look a bit like crepe paper, those really mm-hmm. fine lines and dehydration, if you want to use that marketing kind of term, is caused by what I always talk about, that barrier impairment. Yeah. So if the water's leached out of the skin, your skin is going to appear probably more lined than it would if it's really nourished and hydrated. So it's really satisfying if at the end of a treatment, I can look at them and go, do you know what, this is not accelerated aging. This is just your barriers needs restoring. And we can probably Mm -hmm. improve that by 60 to 70 percent in a treatment, um, which we do. And then it's a case of, right, what do you need to do to keep this going? So Mm -hmm. I would always say don't panic if you see that occurring. You know, go back to don't always reach for those really strong actives like retinol Mm -hmm. and vitamin C and peels. Um, because although they are brilliant and they have a place, let's actually try and improve the barrier function, nourish the skin first, and then you can almost assess, okay, how how deep are these lines and what, yeah, how bad, how is, bad is this? What do I need to do from here? Um, I mean, one of the things that, that I've literally um, just on this first episode been talking to Glenn about is that inside out approach and that mm-hmm. dietary approach, the importance of looking within for any skin issue, mm. but particularly if we're looking at healthy aging. So I'm really interested to know, because you're over there in Sweden and I just have mm-hmm. these like amazing ideas of what your lifestyle is like and you're just breathing fresh air that's pure <laughs> and clean um, and eating fish five times a day. So is that correct, isn't it? The thing with the clean air is true. <laughs> fish five times a day not so much but <laughs> but I'm intrigued to know what your what you know what is your thought process over there about diet and aging and and actually are there things that you do that that's stuff we're doing anyway uh, I would say that I'm very lucky because when I grew up my mom always cooked uh, and you know from scratch it was no half prepared meals or anything like that she always cooked from the from scratch and it was always a lot of vegetables and stuff like that and now and in the last like 15 years I've been uh, with my husband and he's a great chef as well oh wow (laughs) wow I'm taking care of in that department (laughs) and I really enjoy food for me it's it's both something that I think affects my 
mental health. Uh, if you eat too much sugar, refined sugar, I should say, I can feel it in my body. I feel sluggish. I can feel like, and if I eat too much, much salt, I can see it in my face because I get more puffy. Yes. Yeah. A bit more fluidy. Yeah. So I can feel and see in my body when I'm taking care of myself through my diet. Uh, so I try to eat greens like uh, kale and you don't say rucola. Oh, ro uh, rocket. It's a kind of... Rocket and spinach and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then I try to have berries and stuff with my porridge in the morning. Uh, I do smoothies with kale and, and never, I stopped eating or drinking, I should say, dairy products. Okay. When I start first, when I, when I started to get in contact with you. And I think that that is one of the key reasons why I got my cystic acne under control. Yeah, that's it. I really, gosh, yeah, I remember now when we very first started our conversations, it was around those kind of breakouts, wasn't mm -hmm. it? And then thankfully, mm -hmm. yeah. that settled and it sort of segued into, oh, actually, there's a bit, you start noticing other things about your skin, don't you? Oh, actually, I want to slow the aging process down mm -hmm. and look at pigment. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody, but it is quite a good place to start if you are getting those types of outbreaks, just reducing particularly cow's dairy yeah it's just dairy free i still have cream i still have yogurt i just choose the the plant version <laughs> instead uh, and and for me I, I i really like it so it's not a sacrifice or how i should put it uh, my husband's were, was a little bit harder to to uh, get over but on my side but he's there now oh, oh, so he's doing it as well god that's very yeah. impressive oh mm. brilliant yeah, and something I, I forgot to mention earlier, what I do to try to maintain my skin, I should say, it's uh, facial massage. Yes. I really like it. When I have an outbreak, because I still get them from time to time, I, I try to avoid it. But other times I try to do it once or twice a week. And I often, I cleanse my face and then I get some oil and I put myself down on the sofa in front of the telly and watch a show and just massage away yeah do you know you're so right it's a really <laughs> underestimated tool and it's you know mm -hmm. yes of course I've done videos on on Instagram of here's some ideas of how to do it but actually often it can be just quite instinctive I think and as long as you're moving upwards and outwards and you're not dragging or distending the skin if you've got a little bit of a nice balm or a you know an oil mm -hmm. as a medium to use whether you're just using, you know, fingertip pressure or you're using something like a gua sha blade or a mm. jade roller, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a place for all of those. I don't believe that one is better than anything else. I think it really is down to personal preference. Um, but mm -hmm. I've seen clients that have been really fastidious with using their gua sha blade every night exactly as you do you know I'm sitting relaxing anyway just listening to something or watching something mm -hmm. and I'm just going to do five or six minutes of of movements and I can really see a difference in that releasing the fascia and the tension from the skin as well so yeah I think especially around the yeah. eyes because I I shouldn't say I have a problem with bags under my eyes but I have I, I'm prone to have bags under my eyes so I can see there's less fluid there and uh, it's tightening yes yeah yeah well it just you know it 
if you're improving the circulatory system, you're going to improve mm-hmm. the lymphatic system. So that's your waste removal system of the body. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, often around the eyes, you'll get this sort of pooling of lymphatic fluid and it gets a mm-hmm. bit stagnant or the blood gets stagnant around that area as well. So if you can gently move that all on, um, then that's only going to benefit. And I think probably one thing to, to sort of finish on as well is to just have that realisation of... 30% of the aging process is genetic and there's nothing you can do mm. about that and that's when you can look at your parents or grandparents and get a bit of an idea of okay how am i going to fare here however the exciting thing is that you know 70% of the aging process is up to us and actually mm-hmm. i think that's a real positive you know it is in your hands it's up to you you can control how quickly yeah. or how slowly you age so it's it's not oh you know it's it's genetics there's nothing I can do about it well actually there is because if you're going to choose to not smoke to not smoke excessively sorry not drink excessively not you know mm. sunbathe you're going to adopt a healthier lifestyle and we've got so mm. much knowledge around um, you know, and, and research around now about, you know, kind of foods and um, and obviously topical applications that we can use. So, yeah, it's it's not all loss. You are in control of how quickly or slowly you age. <laughs> yeah. And I just I just also want to say that I'm I'm not never eating sugar or drinking a glass of wine. It's just in moderation. Yeah. 80 20 were all in our house yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that 20 percent is very much enjoyed um yeah I do think and you should enjoy it yes because there is actually a lot of you know how you look as well comes from within you doesn't it yeah and if you are miserable because you're eating a really if you want to use the term clean diet all of the time Mm. Mm. then actually that can show because you're just so fed up with the fact that you can't go out and enjoy and relax and be with friends and enjoy. I'm the same. I love food. So, you know, for Mm -hmm. me to to be able to eat well, but know that, yeah, if Ian again is is um, he's a, a good cake maker so if he's made a, a lovely cake I'm going to indulge in that at the weekend so yeah huge agree in there yeah I have a funny story I I don't think I've told you this but I'm not sure you have to stop me if I have <laughs> but since I've started to um, have sessions with you I've been speaking very much about uh, SPF at work uh, with my colleagues and one of my colleagues I think it was she said to me if it was last year or the year before that she said to me uh, during the spring, and we were sitting outside having lunch, and she said to me, I have sunscreen on today. Oh. <laughs> and oh, then she said, brilliant. I never go out without it anymore because you told me to. Oh, you have I have to love use the sunscreen. That. You're turning into the sunscreen police. That's brilliant. You're going to go around wearing your badge yeah. of honor. Oh, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, inspiring everybody. Oh, no, I do also have clients that come in and will say to me, Oh, I, I've been on holiday, and I sat there at one point and thought, Louise is going to tell me off. I, it's like she's. It's like I'm there. I'm going to walk around the corner and go, put your sunscreen on. Where's your hat? Yeah. Um, so, oh, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe.